the children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Welcome to Children's Bible Journey with stories and songs just for kids. We have a dramatized Bible story coming up, but let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome God. You, God promises to uphold me. Yes, Mr. 
singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. That night, King Xerxes could not sleep. As was his custom, he summoned a scribe to read aloud from the scrolls that contained the history of his reign. Such reading often soothed the king to slumber. Yes, read, read. What say the chronicles of Queen Esther? Uh, in the third year of the reign of King Xerxes, the king sought a new queen among the women of his kingdom. Yes. Royal favor fell upon a young maid, Esther by name, and she was crowned queen of queens. Eh, well, go on, read on. One Mordecai, the Israelite, who sat at the palace gate did discover and report the plot of two servants who sought to lay hands upon the king. Mm -hmm. When an inquisition was made of the matter, royal justice was swift, and the two traitors were hung on a tree. Uh, uh, what honor and dignity has been awarded this Mordecai? Well, there is no record, Your Majesty. No record? Huh. That's strange. Haman was come to the outer court of the king's chambers to ask permission to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Haman, your chief advisor seeks audience, your majesty. Uh, yes, let him enter, let him enter. <clears throat> well, Haman, your day has an early beginning. I was passing the royal apartments. A servant informed me your majesty was awake. Uh, there is a uh, personal matter I would discuss with the king. Oh. <laughs> the night brought me little sleep because of it. Uh, 
us what strange malady possesses us. I, too, found no rest. Mm. Yes, I've been reviewing the chronicles. Mm. Uh, Haman, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? To whom would the king delight to do honor more than myself? Let this man be dressed in the king's own robes and place the royal crown upon his head. Then uh, mount him upon your majesty's favorite stallion. And to ensure this position, one of the king's most noble princes might lead him through the streets of the city, Uh. proclaiming for all to hear, Thus is it done unto the man whom the king delights to honor. Oh, yes, yes. Excellent, Haman. Excellent. (laughs) Take my robes, crown, and stallion (laughs) according to your plan. (sighs) And grant this honor to one called Mordecai. Uh, You will find him near the palace gate. Lead him through the city. Uh, I shall sleep now. Uh, Oh, uh, what was this personal matter that keeps you from sleep? Oh, uh, another time, Your Majesty. Another time. The procession made a strange spectacle moving slowly through the city streets, past row after row of faces, struck dumb by the sight of old Mordecai perched on the prancing stallion, wrapped in the royal robes. Uh, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delights to honor. Is it really Mordecai? Why, of course, even under those heavy robes, it is Mordecai. How could it be? Who will believe we saw such a sight? (laughs) Who even believes it and doesn't like it? Just look at his face. Uh, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delights to honor. This day, Haman will always remember. His painful task finished, Haman rushed home, intending to hide. But he had scarcely reached his doorstep when a messenger from the palace arrived to escort him to the queen's second banquet. At first, Haman found it hard to feel the joy he expected such an important occasion to bring. But an hour in the glittering banquet hall dimmed the humiliating memory of the morning. Ah, your majesties have heaped honors upon my head. To sit at banquet for a second time with the king and queen fulfills my utmost dream. I could taste death at this moment and be supremely happy. Oh, now my patience is at an end. What is your petition, Queen Esther? Ask it and it shall be granted. If I have found favor in the king's sight, and if it would please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. What? For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. Your people, Esther? I I don't understand. If we had been sold into bitter bondage, I would hold my tongue. But we were sold not by any offense against the kingdom, but only to feed the pride and revenge of one man. Hmm. In your name, he has sent a decree to exterminate all Israelites in Persia. If Israelite blood must flow... Let mine be the first to stain the streets of Shushan. You are an Israelite, Esther? Yes, I am. Well, who is he and where is he that would presume to destroy my queen and her people? 
The enemy who thirsts for Israelite blood sits at this very table. Oh, mercy, my queen, mercy. I did not know that you were an Israelite. Oh, please, please, spare me. Spare me. Let go my arm, Haman. How dare you touch the queen before me in her chambers? Seize him. No, no, I served you well. I didn't know she was an Israelite. I meant no harm to the queen. Take him away. No. Hang him immediately. <laughs> Thus Haman's scheme to exterminate all Israelites in Persia came to naught, and he was hanged on the very gallows that he had built for Mordecai. And King Xerxes appointed Mordecai to serve as his chief advisor in Haman's place. The Israelites continued to live in peace with their neighbors throughout the Persian Empire, thanks to the courage of Esther, who defied death, and went before the king to plead with him for the life of her people. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible and Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. Look out your window. What do you see? Well, I see trees, grass, cars, buildings, and some kind of bird. Do you know that there are things out there that are so small that you can only see them with a microscope, and they can kill you? Are you trying to cheer me up? They're called germs, and there are a hundred million of them right out there just waiting to make you sick. I'm already sick. That's why you came to visit me. I was reading in a book that there is something we can do to fight those germs. And I'm not talking about medicine or getting a shot. Do you know what that is? Close the window? We can be happy. Happy? You mean as in ha-ha happy? That's right. When we have a positive attitude and we aren't grouchy or angry all the time, we help our bodies fight germs because our immune system is working harder than when we're sad or depressed. So are you happy, Sam? I was until you started talking about germs. King Solomon said that happiness can fight disease. Solomon? The Bible guy? Yes. I learned a Bible verse last year that says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. That's Proverbs 17.22. What do you think about that? I think I need to lie down again. I feel my bones drying up. Well, you just go to sleep and I'll come back and visit you later. Sam, I've got to make you happy so you can heal faster. You're a true friend, Rico. Like the Bible says, he who lets his sick friend sleep makes his bones better. Where's that found? Sam 5-2. I thought so. 
God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, He established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
He must be the son of God. He must be the son of God. Cause he spoke to the rain and the rain stopped falling. And he spoke to the wind and the wind stopped blowing. And he spoke to the waves and the waves stopped rolling. What kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? He must be the son of God. Boys and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Have you ever seen a lighthouse beaming its light to guide ships away from dangerous rocks? Have you ever been inside a lighthouse? A lighthouse can be a very interesting place to visit if you're at the beach or the seashore. Keep your eyes open for one the next time you take a trip. The shoebox kids are back. The same kids you read about in Primary Treasure are in their 12th book. This time, Maria and Chris and their family are on vacation at the seashore. Besides living in a yurt, Chris and Maria find a mystery when they discover an old cemetery. And that mystery leads them to an abandoned lighthouse and the story of the lighthouse keeper. The Mystery of the Abandoned Lighthouse is a special Shoebox Kids book. It's the only Shoebox Kids book written by a kid. Shoebox Kids reader and primary Sabbath school member Grant Perdue and his mother Suzanne Perdue. The story they share shows us the importance of trusting others and the difference God can make in your life. Can you solve the mystery of the abandoned lighthouse before Maria and Chris do? Chapter 1. The Mystery Begins Why are we stopping here? asked Chris as the Vargas' car pulled up in front of a round, funny-looking structure. The Vargas' were just beginning their family vacation. Chris, Maria, and Yo-Yo knew they were spending it at the beach, but they didn't know where. Mr. and Mrs. Vargas had decided to surprise them about staying in a yurt in a beach state park. This is where we're staying, replied Mr. Vargas. In that thing, exclaimed Chris. What is it? It looks like a, a, a yurt, said Maria in a know-it-all voice. A what? Chris asked. A yurt, Maria repeated as she climbed out of the car. It's like a round tent, except it's sturdier because it's supported by a wooden framework inside. So how come you know so much about yurts, asked Chris as he followed her out of the back seat. Yurts, corrected Maria. I learned about them in school. The Mongolian people live in them, except their yurts are made out of animal skins. Oh, cool, exclaimed Chris. I hope ours is. Ours is made of heavy canvas, said Maria as she walked up the path to the yurt. Chris and Yo-Yo followed close behind. Hey, look, it has a wooden door just like a real house, said Chris but I can't see anything inside. He tried to peer through the window. Maybe there are Mongolians hiding in there. The shade's down, Chris, said Maria. Besides, there aren't any Mongolians around here. They live on the other side of the world. They're nomads. They're what? asked Chris. Nomads, answered Maria. That means they move around a lot. Instead of building a new house every time they move, they just take their yurt apart, pack it up, and take it with them. But this isn't Mongo, said Yo-Yo, tugging on Maria's pant leg. It's the beach, so why are there yurts here? So people like us can stay in them, teased Mrs. Vargas. Some of the parks are trying them out to see if people like them. And they must like them, Dad joined in. This was the last one available for this week when I made our reservation. Here's the key. Let's go check it out. The inside of the yurt was small but cozy. A thick wooden latticework wall attached to a wooden floor supported the beige canvas walls. The top of the yurt had a round skylight that let in plenty of light. 
Against the far wall, a small electric heater was built into a low wood wall. On the left side of the yurt was a bunk bed with a double bed on the bottom and a single bed on top. Across from it was a futon that folded down into a double bed. In between was a low wooden table. Ooh, mommy, this is so cute, exclaimed Yo-Yo. But where's the bathroom? It's down the path that goes right behind our yurt, said Mrs. Vargas. I'll show you as soon as we get settled. It's for all the campers in this area. That's where the showers are, too. Hey, can I have the top bed? hollered Chris. Yo-Yo and Maria can sleep on the bottom. You and Mom can sleep on the futon. Sounds like you got it all figured out, Chris, said Mr. Vargas. Is that all right with everyone else? It's fine as long as Yo-Yo doesn't start kicking me, said Maria. And if Maria doesn't knock me off the bed, giggled Yo-Yo. Well, then, let's get our stuff and get settled, said Mr. Vargas. So, Dad, how did you decide to stay here, asked Chris, as he carried a load of stuff to the yurt. It was actually Mom's idea, he answered. You know how she likes the beach. I'd read about some parks renting yurts. I thought it sounded like a fun place for us to vacation. What do you think? At first, I thought it was sort of weird-looking, said Chris. You thought I'd picked some strange place to stay in that you'd be bored or embarrassed about, Mr. Vargas asked. Yes, I guess I did, Chris muttered, but now I think it's going to be great. It will be, replied Mr. Vargas with a twinkle in his eye. Just trust me. Okay, I'll try, grinned Chris. Say, Dad, when we get everything settled, can Maria and I do a little exploring? Sure, just don't go too far, said Mr. Vargas. Minutes later, Chris and Maria were headed out the door of the yurt. I wonder who's staying in that one, Maria said, pointing to the yurt next to theirs. I don't know, said Chris. There doesn't seem to be anyone around right now. There's a car parked there, said Maria, and look at the license plate. Someone drove a long way to get here. I wonder why. It could be a mystery. Oh, come on, Maria, urged Chris. They are probably here on vacation just like us. There, your mystery is solved. Let's go exploring. As Chris and Maria walked through the campground, the main road kept going to the right, while the left branched off to a small parking area. Chris headed left. Come on, Chris, said Maria. That's just the RV dump area. Let's keep going. Chris stopped for a minute and looked around. Wait, he said. It looks like there's a path going up that sand dune between the trees. Let's go look. Do you think it goes anywhere, Maria asked as she hiked up the sandy path behind Chris. There isn't a signpost, but it looks like other people have walked here. Or animals, Chris said as he pushed his way past a tree limb that hung down into the path. It could be a deer trail, or maybe a... What is it? exclaimed Maria coming around the corner. What do you see? Shh, whispered Chris. Take a look at this. The story you've heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 12, Mystery of the Abandoned Lighthouse, written by Suzanne Grant Purdue and Grant Purdue, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life to 
children come Please let the children come Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.